So Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. There's some extra Bibles in the back if you need one. So we've been going through the book of Acts. And basically what we're looking at here is we're looking at the story of an explosive and an authentic church movement, right? We're looking at how did Jesus Christ, through his spirit and through his servants, establish, strengthen the church, and use it to glorify his name even till today. So we have not only a narrative, which is an amazing story. If you haven't read through the book of Acts, I feel sorry for you. You need to work on that. You can come here. It'll take you a year to get through it, but we will get through it. Or you can read it on your own, and it'll probably take you a week or so. So it is a narrative, but it also becomes for us a model for what does it mean to function as a church? How do we live this life in faith? And also it gives us a lot of points of theology on what and how do we believe and, and understand God working through us. So as we've been reading through the last couple of chapters, we've been seeing this church go through a lot of growing pains, a lot of stress. You know, they were imprisoned. They've been threatened. But also we've seen God do mighty wonders and fill his people with great joy. And so we left off last week talking about, or the last couple of weeks, talking about worship. What does it look like to worship God as a body? And also last week, what is the outcome of false worship? Right? So last week we saw a couple people drop dead. You can go back and read that. Acts 5 is a pretty interesting story. And so tonight we're going to continue talking about worship. And it's interesting. I was thinking about this. And, uh, you know, I have a book. I go to Shriner, and I have a book for my 3D design class. And it's called Shaping Space. What does that book have to do with the sermon? Absolutely nothing. But the title is really cool because it made me think about worship. And as this book is about these artists who they give their life, they give all their minds, all their strength, everything they have to their art. And, and they just dive into it. And I mean, the art world is weird, okay? I'm not saying all artists are weird, but the art world is weird. I'm sorry. I don't care. It's freaking weird. Okay. And I love art. I love art. And I appreciate the skill in art. Trust me. Beyond what you would probably understand. But it's still weird. Okay. And a lot of artists, they worship their work. And I started thinking about this idea of shaping space. And something that we're going to see tonight, and something that I realize is that the way we worship Christ should shape the space around us. And in fact, just like those artists look to develop and shape their space with their art, we should be looking to develop and shape the space around us through our worship. So that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. So read with me, if you will, Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. It says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them. But the people esteemed them highly, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, 
multitudes of both men and women so that they brought the sick out into the streets and they laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. And they were all healed. So this shouldn't be something too surprising. In fact, you're probably like, well, what are we doing here again? You know, we've read this probably like four times in the book of Acts. Okay? But it's, there's something interesting here. Okay? Yes, there's many signs and wonders. They're all in one accord. This is something we've seen already over and over. But to me, it's showing me that so far in these first five chapters, there's been really three main themes three main themes of a functioning church. The first one is walking in the power of the Spirit. Right? The Spirit fell on them. They began to speak in tongues. And then in the power of the Spirit, Peter preached. People got saved. Power of the Spirit. He lifted the dude up. He got healed. Power of the Spirit. More people got saved. Signs and wonders. All these things. But also over and over and over again, the book of Acts has been showing us the importance and the significance of the unity, having unity as believers, right? Being together, not, not just physically, but also in mind and in purpose. And finally, the third thing is that in all of this, it's only for one purpose, truly. It's all for the purpose of Christ being glorified. So really, that's the three, the three main themes. We've got the power of the Spirit, the unity of believers, and Christ's glorification okay so verses 12 and 13 it says and through the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were done among the people and they were all with one accord in solomon's porch so let me ask you something what the heck is solomon's porch is there were they on the porch of some guy named solomon okay so solomon's porch is a place at the temple Okay, and so basically what it's saying is they're all in the temple or right outside the temple and they're all gathered together. And so they're doing this publicly. Publicly, they're meeting, they're gathering together. They're seeing these signs and wonders. We read before that when Peter lifted the lame man up and he was healed, they all went inside and this man was jumping and leaping with joy. And they all rushed around Peter and uh, Peter and, and John at Solomon's porch. And so now we're seeing they're coming back and we're seeing the Lord move again and again and again in the same place, in the midst of non-believers, in the midst of people who say they believe in God, right? The Jewish people, but have rejected Christ. And yet they're unashamed and they're gathering and they're, they're worshiping and they're doing this publicly, right? But it's interesting, in verse 11, if we go back up, so wait, what's going on here? Let, let me get that straight first. So s what just happened was as they're all gathering together, they're all having everything in common, right? They're all sharing their goods. They're selling their land. They're selling their houses. And they're laying it down to be useful to God. And then here's this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, who has an evil motive in their heart. And so, yeah, they go sell some of their stuff. And they keep back some of the money. Hey, that's not an issue. That's their stuff. They can keep, they can give and keep whatever they want, right? 
but they came and they lied about it and they gave a portion and said, oh, yes, look, I gave everything. And so they're in the middle of this assembly and they're there for their own, their own glory, their own esteem. And something very amazing happens. The Peter looks at him and says, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? And the man drops dead right there. Boom. They carry him out and bury him. So his wife comes a little bit later and says, she knows. She knows what's going on. She shows up. She, he says, hey, uh, did you sell? Is this all the money you sold the house for? She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, well, you're going to be buried next to your husband. Boom. She drops dead right then. And in verse 11, read verse 11 with me. It says, and then, or so great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. So you've got the people outside the church here, and yo, there are people dropping dead over there. And they're afraid. I'd be afraid. I ain't trying to go. I don't know what they're putting in that water, right? So they're all together publicly worshiping God. But look, it says that no one dared join them. So let me ask you this. If verse 13 says, yet no, none of the rest dared join them, but the people did esteem them highly. How is it that in verse 14 it says, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord? Well, which one is it? Is nobody joining or is everybody joining? Make up your mind. Well, here's the thing. God's main work in, in, in people who have trusted themselves to him is to sanctify them. That's a really churchy word. Let's everybody just say sanctify. Sanctify. You, gotta, you can get a real lofty feel. Sanctify. And then you put on the echo thing. Sanctify. Right? God's work is to sanctify his people. So what does that mean? Well, it means to make them holy. That's what God wants to do with every one of you. He wants to make you holy. Right? And it's a work that's a progressive thing that happens as we follow him and he works in our life. He wants to make each one of you to walk in the image of Christ himself. But also, to be holy means to be separate. Uh, separate. Separated. Separate. Separated. I need to pick one, right? separated from the world. So what's happening is as God is moving in these people and they're seeing them worship and they're seeing signs and wonders, they're seeing people being healed, they're seeing demons cast out, they're seeing people drop dead because they were not honest before the living God. No, nobody out in the world wanted to join that. However, at the same time, many people believed because of the witness. And those who believed were so many that they were flocking in. And so we have this sanctification or this separation where God is calling people out from among Jerusalem. And he's calling his people together. He's calling them to a witness. He's calling them to worship. And he's separating them from the rest. God has already made a statement that he's not going to have falsehood and fakers amongst his bodies, right? 
the ultimate result is death. So God is, the presence of God is, is literally starting to shape this environment, this place, this temple where Jews are normally walking in, you know, and they're making their sacrifices and they're selling their animals and doing all this stuff. Very, very legalistic, you know, Jude, uh, Judaism going on. And suddenly here are these Christians who are worshiping the same God, but are worshiping, the with him, worshiping him with the fullness of their heart and in his spirit. They begin to come and worship in the house of the Lord. And it's changing the dynamics of everything around them. You know, they're not sending up banners on the wall. They're not just there worshiping in this place. And God's presence is shaping the space. And this is really, this is Jesus fulfilling the part of the prayer that he already told us to pray every day. He told us to pray this every day. He said, in your daily prayer, you should pray like this. And one of the things he mentions is, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Now, he's not talking about when Jesus comes back again and establishes reign on the earth. Yes, that, right? We're looking forward to that. We should be looking forward to that. But that's not his primary concern. His primary is concern is, Lord, your kingdom come now. Today. You see, because Jesus is a king without borders. He's a king whose kingdom is without limits. And his authority stretches over all creation. In fact, the Bible says that all creation is within the span of his hand. He is creator. He is the word. And so when we're praying, Father in heaven, your kingdom come, we're saying let your authority and rule and your dominion be upon us, our life, our situations, and everywhere we go, and let it come into our life today. Lord, let your rule and authority be established. Because it's a kingdom of righteousness. It's a kingdom that's pure. It's a kingdom that's good in all of its way. There's no corruption in the kingdom of God. There's no corruption in the will of the Lord. There's no fault in his power. And so we're supposed to be in a daily basis as we're worshiping God, asking for that rule and that authority to come. And for other people to experience it as well. I kind of get a mental image like, like we got these little stakes like around my house. And it's like, yep, okay. This is the kingdom of God. We got, around, we got a little stakes around the church. Okay, this is the kingdom of God. And every day I want to go, I want to go one house over. I want to go four feet farther. I want to go one classroom to the right, and I want to extend those stakes. And I want to say I'm claiming this for the kingdom of God. Now, that's how I visualize it in my mind and in my heart. But I do it for a reason because it helps me understand that that is truly what I want. I want for people to understand who Jesus Christ is, to receive him and to be in that kingdom. Because the kingdom of God surpasses, you know what, we're not Americans first. We're Christians first. We're in his kingdom. In fact, his political system is greater and in many times opposed to. And anywhere in the world you go, it's his political system that is intact and that we live under first and foremost. First and foremost. And so I want to see people come into that, into a kingdom of healing, of restoration, of peace, right? And so we're seeing Jesus fulfill this in his spirit. 
separating those who've rejected and drawing in believers by the multitude. And he's doing it, and people are beginning to visually see and experience the manifestation of God's presence. And they're seeing his body form before them, and they don't even know it. They don't even realize it. They see something. I don't know what they see. But it's the, the character of Christ and the person of Christ being formed in front of them. Because we're called the body of Christ. And what is the body of Christ called? The church. So we have this question that we've asked so many times here, but it's it's a question that seems to become to have become the tagline of our generation in Christ. It's the thing that's that's, you know, practically stamped on the forehead of our of our age group as people are trying to figure out what is my purpose. And that question is, what does it mean to be the church? Right? It's prevalent. People are trying. They, they want to live it. They want to know. And, I, you know, we've answered that so many times I can't count. But I want to give you a different take on it tonight, a different perspective. So he, what does it mean to be the church? Here is here's another, another definition for you. Okay? And this is my definition, so it's no, nothing fancy. A church should simply be this. A church should be a group of people whose worship of Christ manifests the presence of God for his glory. Just think about that for a second. Let me say it again. We should be a group of people who in our worship manifest the presence of God so that Jesus is glorified in it. That's what it means to be a church. I kind of want to be like Art Azurdius or whatever his name is right now and go out crazy with my hand motions. I can never remember that guy's last name. <laughs> but we have this happening here. We have his spirit coming in and people are being transformed. Their character is being transformed. The way they're living is being transformed and Jesus is showing up before people's eyes and they don't even see it. And so God is adding to the numbers in waves. And he's doing it because there is an authentic love. There's an authentic worship that they have for the Lord. And because in that uh, uh, authenticity, his power is coming down. His power is coming down. It's being known. You know, I had a conversation last night with somebody. We were talking about worship, and it was something about their personal worship. And they were telling me, you know, just recently, what I've been getting a lot of and what I've I think it's something new for him is saying that when I'm praying and when I'm singing, when I'm worshiping, I'm getting chills. And I'm feeling it over all of me. And he says, you know, I, 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 I do pray and I am serious, but something there's something more. And I told him, man, that's amazing. You know, Jesus says the, <laughs> the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind. So when we worship, when we sing, you should feel it. You should know it. You should experience it. And you should be a a being of worship for the Lord in that moment. And it's the same thing when we pray and when we work 
all these things that we do for Christ, the reason we gathered should be out of that fullness of who we are. Right? And that's what he's looking for. And that is the situation. That is the environment where the Lord comes down and moves. Because he has full authority. Not that he doesn't have it otherwise. But that it's freely given to him. And he utilizes it. You know, there's been other times where um, I've taken a, I got a tip about a guy sleeping in the ER and uh, wouldn't talk to anybody, was doing really bad. And so I went and showed up, and it's a guy I went to school with. And I was like, no way. And so I sit down, he wouldn't even talk to me, he wouldn't even look at me. And I'm like, hey man, what's going on? He's not talking to me. And uh, he's just ignoring me, and I'm talking, I'm trying to do all these things. Finally, I just said, look man, his name is Jesus, right? His real name's Jesus. And I said, look, man, let me just be straight with you. The reason I'm here is because you're not the only Jesus I know. This dude sat up so quick, it kind of scared me. I had to jump back. I thought he was going to swing at me. And he looked at me and said, really, man? Really? Man. I'm like, what does that mean? You know? And so uh, I was like, man, Christ loves you, man. He sent me here to talk to you. He said, he had like some like crackers and like a snack pack, you know, some little pudding. And I was like, bro, you want some real food? You want a real place to stay? And he looked at me, he looked outside. My car was parked right there, right? Like I was practically in the hospital with my doors open. Like, and he's like, yeah, man. So we go, and we start talking. I start ministering to him and, you know, praying over him. And you start seeing his character change as we start praying. But there's still a lot of fear. There's still a lot of things going on. And I can see it in him and. The next day, I take them down to the Sozo, and they're having a worship night. And they're just praying, and they're worshiping. And I love the when, when the Sozo worships because these guys, man, these guys sing their hearts out. And they raise their hands, and it's authentic, and you can feel it. And this guy who, until the night I picked him up, wasn't a Christian, has been saved for like less than 24 hours. He's sitting there, and you just see God's power move on him in the midst of this worship. And all of that, all of that confusion and doubt and fear just left. And he was supposed to start staying with me, and he, he walked out of that house and said, man, I want to go home. I'm not afraid anymore. And God showed up in the midst of that worship. And I've seen it so many times in so many places, right? And through deliverance, through healing. Even through service, as the body goes out and they serve people for no other reason than they just love the Lord and want to serve people. And God does amazing things in the midst of that worship. And they w- he was doing amazing things, in fact, breathtaking things here. So much so that those outside the church were even afraid. They were afraid. Not so much of the Christians, maybe, but of whatever the heck was going on whenever they were meeting. Because there was something real happening in this church. There was something, you know, that so far they've seen two things. They've seen people healed and changed, and they've seen people fall down dead. What do you do with that information? I don't even know. I only know because I've read the rest of the book, right? But if I was there, I'd probably be afraid too. And so they're seeing these things happen, and they're probably not really sure why. But when you look at these believers and what they're doing and how they're living their life, man, there's something we got to grasp from it. And it's the fact that we are not called to fear the world. We're not. We're called to fear God. To fear God. 
And we're also not called to um, be out of the world, but we're called to worship in the midst of it. Separated, yes, right, but not pulled out of it. We're called to worship in the midst of it in such a way that others would see and learn to fear him as well. This is why in Matthew 5, 15, Jesus says, let your light so shine that men see your good deeds. And they see it, and when they see it, they glorify God. They glorify their Father in heaven. That's the type of life, that's the type of love we're supposed to live out. That's the type of worship we're supposed to have before the Lord. You see, the disciples weren't afraid of being Christian. Not at home, not in public, not in the midst of the Jews who were persecuting them. They've already been arrested. They've already been threatened. They've already been commanded not to do exactly what they're doing. And yet here they are worshiping freely. Freely. Because who's in charge? The Lord. They weren't afraid. They weren't lowering their voices to pray, right? They were of one accord. That has been, I don't even know how many times that's been said, but it's obviously important. They were of one accord, of one mind, of one purpose. And they were doing all of this in the midst of threats, in the midst of uh, imprisonment, because they were enveloped in this atmosphere of worshiping Christ. They were unashamed, and because of this, the world around them knew the name of Jesus. If nothing else, they knew that. And see, God has called us to that same spiritual power, that same manifestation of worship. If, if that's true, of course, the question is, well, how? Right? How? It's simple. By starts by just living out what we believe but living it out in the midst of a dark and corrupted world. Guys, y'all got to understand, we live in a place where people do not understand spiritual things without the Spirit of God. They don't understand your worship. They don't understand your praise music. They don't understand why you bow your head when you eat. They don't understand why you go to church. They don't understand why you give away money. None of this stuff makes sense to them. They also don't understand why you're not hurting when they're hurting. They don't understand why how we can have peace when the whole world is crumbling. They don't understand how we can have joy when all they feel is brokenness. And it's because they are not walking with the only living God who provides those things freely to all who come to him. And so for us, that means that they have to see these things to understand that they're there and available for them as well. They have to hear the truth to be able to accept it, and they have to experience the presence of God to realize that there's something real there, and it's something that they can have, and that, in fact, they need. They need it. It was easy when Jesus was walking, but guess what? He's left us in this day. The truth and the purity of the gospel is something that's been given us to give out as well. 
both as a gift and as a command. And you look at verses 14 through 16. When it says that the believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought out the sick into the streets. They laid them on beds and couches that at least a shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. And they were all healed. So yes, we know that they're, that they're gathering together, they're worshiping, we got that. Yes, we understand they're declaring Jesus, we got that. But they're also acting as a ministering body. They're acting as a ministering body. And that, my friends, is worship. Romans 12.1 says this, and I love the NIV way of putting it. I used to have an NIV Bible, um, and so that's the, the translation I remember when I think of this verse. And it says in the NIV, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This this sacrifice that you're giving continually, 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 this is your true and proper worship. Worship. This going on up here with guitars, you know, that's not worship. What happens in your heart if you join in that, that's worship. What happens in your heart when you leave here and the word of God has touched you, that's worship. The way you lead your family and your, your friends and, and your your co-workers, in the words of life, that is worship. And we're seeing these people come together and they're ministering to their family and to all of those around them. And they're literally bringing people to Christ. They're, they're taking them from city to city to put them before the apostles that the power of the Lord which would come upon them. And they're acting according to their faith. So here's three things that we're going to end with. Three things that we need to remember that are important, that in fact are foundational for a growing and for an obedient church. Okay, three things. The first are passionate leaders. Now notice, I did not say a passionate leader. Passionate leaders, plural. Passionate leaders that are serving according to their gifts and they're serving with boldness. We have here, we have the apostles. How many apostles were there? Twelve. And when they started splitting up, how many went out together? At least two. At least two, right? And as they're going and establishing churches, guess what? They're establishing more leadership. And so we have apostles, a group of them, and they're preaching, they're teaching, they're healing, and they're enduring suffering in joy for the sake of Christ's glory. That's it. And they have passionate leaders that are giving their whole life to serve as they're called to. That's the first thing that every church, everybody needs. Passionate leaders serving according to their gifts. The second thing is we need, guys, we need, and this starts with you and with me. It starts right here. It doesn't start in saying, oh, well, you know, we need to do something different in here. No, 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 no. Take this church, take Sunday morning, wherever you go to church, get all of that. Take church services out of your mind. Remove those for the realm of possibility and think about the rest of your life. 
and in the rest of your life, which is where it needs to start, we each need to have a worship that changes our surroundings. A worship that begins to shape the space around us, that affects the atmosphere, that affects your community, the people. That just as these people were unashamed to be public witnesses, even if the attention wasn't good, so should we. So should we. The third thing, and a very important thing, is that the people were acting in faith. Not the apostles, well, yes, the apostles as well, but specifically, not the apostles and the leaders. No, the, the people, those who have just come to Christ, these new believers, these people who are hearing and seeing these things and are beginning to believe, they are acting in faith. I want you to notice here, when he's talking about these people being healed and the demons being cast out, the apostles aren't going door to door with the deliverance ministry, right? They're not standing up and doing altar calls. Altar calls. They're not calling people out. No, 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 no. The believers are bringing their sick and afflicted out to them. People who need healing are coming to them. They're asking for help from the Lord. They're asking for prayer. They're not hiding things. They're not holding anything back. And even people from surrounding cities are taking these in need, and they're bringing them down so that they can experience the power and the truth of God. Because they simply believe that God could work through his people to heal and deliver anyone who came to them. And so they acted according to that truth. And that was happening amongst the body. People were simply living what they believed. And that is what it looks like to have a ministering church where the people who say they are Christians have a concern for those around them and lead those people to Jesus so that he can provide for their needs. It's simple. But it does take faith to reach out for help. It takes faith to bring others to Jesus. But it has to be in knowing that he's the only one who's going to show up and do the work. Right? But he does want to do that work through his body. So here as we're reading, we, they have a desire for the Father. They have an active and ministering body from the head all the way down to the toes, right? Whatever that means. Everybody in the middle, you get my point. And they're all working together to the fact that Jesus is glorified. People are being saved and the body's blessed. Go back and read through the chapters and just see the blessing that he's pouring out on his people. So guys, look around at everybody real quick. Just look around at the people sitting around you. Except for Vincent, don't look at him. Just kidding. Look around at these people. Always. It's because I love you, that's why. I only pick on people I like. The people that you just looked at, this is the image of Christ for today. This is the Jesus they get to see. And a big portion of what they believe is going to start with us, right? And what they need to see are people living or acting as a living sacrifice, which is our true and proper worship. So here's what I want you all to do. I want you all to just stand up, first of all, just to get your blood flowing. Just stand up with me. I hear stuff creaking out there, man. Y'all need to get that checked. 
So here, I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand or come up front or any of that, that stuff. You can if you want to. That's fine. But I just simply want you to ask yourself this question. Do you want the Lord to use you? Do you want God to give you new eyes to see the people around you and the struggles they're in? A new, do you need a new passion? Do you need a new understanding of purpose? If any of those things, if all of those things apply for you, I want you to simply ask God for that tonight. And just ask him to give you the fire you need, to give you the understanding you need so that your worship will begin to shape the space around you. So I'm going to lead us in prayer, and then we're going to have communion. And during that time of communion is a time for you all to, to pray and reflect on the things before the Lord. Father God, I thank you so much for tonight, Lord. I thank you for everybody here. And Father, Lord, this, <laughs> this message is for me first, Father, as always, Lord. And Father, I want you to use me, Lord. Father God, I need new eyes, Lord. My eyes grow dull. They do. I need new eyes to see the, the, uh, the lostness, the desperation that's around us every day. I need new eyes to see your love and your hand working, Father. Lord, I pray that you give us a new passion for you, Lord. Not one that's based in our flesh, that's just that, that keeps us striving and working, but Lord, one that's fueled by a love for you. And Father, I pray for all of us that you would just give us an understanding of your purpose, the purpose that you have for us corporately and individually. And Lord, that you would lead us, Father, in a harvest. You would lead us in authentic worship. So Father, bless everyone here tonight. And Lord, as we partake of the bread tonight, we declare that it is your body broken for us on that cross. That by your stripes, we can be healed, Lord. And as we partake of the, the cup, Father, we declare that it is your blood that you spilt. You gave your own life as a sacrifice for the sin and the judgment that we deserve ourselves so that all who believe on you can be saved. So we thank you for that sacrifice in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.